Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace. Strengthening the Saints Against Islam's Assault on North America. Well, we're back once again at the corner of Truth and Courage. This is Tom Wallace. Thank you for joining us here today. Today I want to talk to you about the five popular myths of Islam. Um, I'm afraid we in America are extremely ignorant of Islam. And, um, you know, let me give you an example of how extreme our ignorance is. Uh, lies in this area. Um, you know, we think, for the most part, that the scripture of Islam is just the Quran and only the Quran, when actually there is the Sunnah that must go along with the Quran. You cannot interpret the Quran without the Sunnah. But most uh, Americans have never heard of the Sunnah. These are the testimonies of the companions of Muhammad, the, what he said and did. And you can't interpret the Quran without these things. To a Muslim, this is like scripture to them an essential part of their doctrines and, and so on. So, uh, so so let's get into it. What are the five popular myths of Islam? Number one, Islam is a religion of peace. That is, that's on the top of my list here of the most popular myth, the most popular deception that Islam is feeding us here in the West. Um, and they and they they start off with this with this narrative. Well, Islam means peace. Now, right there, you've just been told a lie. If you if if you've been told that, that is untrue. That's a fable. That's a myth. Islam does not mean peace. Islam means surrender, submit. Um, the one who is submitted is called a Muslim. That means the surrendered one, the submitted one. And now, now Islam, the goal of Islam is peace. But let's let's break this down so you understand what they mean by that. To get peace, the goal to have peace, you have to be totally surrendered, submitted to Allah, His will, His law. And if you are, then you'll have peace. When the world is totally surrendered and submitted and surrendered to Allah, then there will be peace in the world. So when there's no more kafir, no more unbelievers, no more infidels, and everyone is submitted and surrendered to Islam, no no uh, obstruction to Allah, then there'll be peace in the world. And that's the goal, is to bring everyone into submission and to be surrendered to Allah. And so, um, and, and, and i got to ask, you know, are we really that gullible here in America when they tell us that Islam is a religion of peace? Honestly, really, does that pass the sniff test with you? Come on now. Um, all the violence, all the jihad, all that stuff. Are you truly a sucker and gullible to think that, oh, this is only just a few radicals out there who are misinterpreting some passages out of the Quran and and they're behaving in such a manner that it's giving such a bad name to these nice, lovely people who are practicing a peaceful, genteel religion. Um then um, you've been taken in. You are gullible You, if, if you believe that. Folks, that's a deception. You can tell what something is by what it does. We have 1,400 years of history of those who followed Muhammad's Islam. In the name of Allah, the sword of Islam has killed 120 million Africans, 60 million Christians, 80 million Hindus, 10 million Buddhists, 
and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Jews. So don't tell me that Islam is a religion of peace. All right, let's move on. Myth number two. Myth number two. Allah and Jehovah, the God of Muhammad, the God of the Quran, and Jehovah, the God of the Bible, the God of the uh, the Old Testament, the Jews, are the same God. Uh, Islam teaches that uh, that their God, Allah, is the creator of heaven and earth, the God who created Adam and Eve, the God who uh, made a covenant with Abraham and gave his... Uh, uh, his revelations first uh, with the seed of Abraham through the Jews, but uh, and, and we'll get into some of that uh, other stuff that they teach and stuff there. But uh, they teach that God Allah and God Jehovah are the same God. Now, oh, maybe about uh, 10 years ago, um, I think it was Barnum that did, uh, uh, did a research on pluralism in America, and in their two-year study, they came out and found that 70% of adults in America believe that the God of the Quran and the God of the Bible are the same God. So we've been falling for this nonsense. You know, it doesn't take folks that, you know, and, and, and also, too, of that 70% that said that, uh, 40% of those who said in the affirmative that they're the same God claim to be born-again Christians. That's scary. That tells me that the theology that's being taught in the pulpits of America is extremely weak or non-existent. Or perhaps the people in the pews are asleep. Maybe it's not the preachers behind the pulpit. Maybe it's not their fault, but maybe it's the fault of the pew. I, I don't know. There's fault somewhere. Uh, for that many people to think that the God of the Quran and the God of the Bible are the same God. Uh, now, Muslims, they love to start off with that with us. They want to say, oh, we have common ground. And, you know, you just, uh, you're just you still in a deception. You need to come to the full knowledge of God that we Muslims have. You know, we believe in, you know, your God, and you just need to accept that our God is the same God and, and all that type of stuff. Now, when a Muslim starts with that, here's my response. And you can use it. In fact, I recommend it. Uh, I say, wonderful, that's wonderful news. So then your God has a son. Then they get this angry look on their face. No, for Allah hath no son. Ah, then clearly we don't have the same God, because my God has a begotten son, and his name is Jesus Christ. Now we never give ground to this myth, to this deception that we have the same God, because clearly we don't. Our God is immutable. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can't change his word. He can't go back on it. Uh, the promises he gave 2,000 years ago are still there for me today. They'll be there for my grandchildren and future generations. Um, but the God of the Quran is the capricious one. Not only can he change his mind, he can change his very nature, for goodness sake. All right, the third myth. The third myth is that the prophet Muhammad is greater than the prophet Jesus Christ. Uh, this is an interesting concept in Islam. You know, there, there are seven great prophets. Muhammad is the greatest. He is the last. There'll be no more revelations until after Muhammad. And Jesus, oh yeah, he was a great prophet, but he was only a man. Uh, isn't that, and now, here's something interesting. Even the Quran itself tells us something that that distinguishes Jesus, that puts Jesus so much higher than Muhammad. Let me give you a few examples. In the Quran, 
Jesus is born of a virgin. He has a miraculous birth. But Muhammad had a natural birth like any other human being. In the Quran, Jesus is sinless. Now, most Muslims think that the Quran teaches that Muhammad is sinless. But actually, it doesn't. Muhammad confesses his sins, prays for forgiveness for his sins in the Sunnah. Uh, on many cases, five times we have very strong admissions that, that Muhammad himself was a sinful man. Um, Jesus performed miracles recorded for us in the Quran. Muhammad, no miracles are recorded for us in the Quran. Um, and uh, But here's the greatest. Here's the, the ice on the, the cake, the icing on the cake. In the Quran, I think 11 or 19 times, I can't remember exactly, 11 or 19 times, the word holy is used, and it's attributed to God, except for one, on one occasion. On one time, they talk about the holy child, Jesus, of Mary. So Jesus is ascribed as holy. I always ask Muslims, you know, why is it that Jesus is called holy in the Quran, and, uh, and yet you don't recognize him as God? Uh, all right, so that's the third myth, that the prophet Muhammad is greater than Jesus Christ. The fourth myth is that the Bible is corrupted, and the Quran is pure and without corruption. Now, what's kind of interesting on this particular point is that the Quran does not teach that, but the modern Muslim thinks that's what the Quran teaches. Here, here's something you need to know about, about Islam. It, Muslims are not allowed to read the Quran. If they, they, they can only read it in Arabic, but only the clergy speaks Arabic. Only 15% of the Muslims in the world are Arabs. I, I don't know if you realize that. So the majority, 85% of the Muslims in the world, have no idea, can't read the Quran. They're never encouraged to, and if they do, they have to go to the imam to, for them to explain what it means. And they can't question or doubt anything that they're told. But if you read the Quran in English, uh, because none of us are Arab-speaking, I, I imagine, there, that if you do read it, the Quran actually says that the Bible is guarded from corruption. And and so and, and and here's another one that Muslims have a hard time understanding or have a hard time defending. They don't have an answer for this. If then your God is the God of the Bible, the God of the Old Testament, New Testament, but He's also the God of the Quran. He He can keep the Quran from corruption, but He couldn't keep the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, from corruption. What, uh, what happened? Did He go to school? Did He go to you know preservation school? Um, did he eat his Wheaties? Did he work out? Did he get some rest and become better at it? Uh, you know, it, it explain why your God couldn't do that, you know, for the Bible, but we can be assured that he's doing it for the Quran. They can't answer that. So myth number four is that the Bible is corrupted, but the Quran is pure and guarded from corruption. Okay, the fifth myth, the fifth popular myth. And by the way, if you break these myths down, Islam just crumbles. It falls down to its ankles. Okay, uh, myth number five. Muhammad received revelations from the angel Gabriel. Um, now, I, I, I probably don't have the time to break this down into the detail that I would like to do. But let me tell you the story of what happened when Muhammad first got revelations from this spirit. It's called a jinn, which in Arabic means an angel, a spirit. It could be a demon. It could be an angel. The record tells us that when Muhammad 
had this first confrontation, he honestly thought that he was demon-possessed. In fact, the text says, Never shall the Koreish, this was the tribe that he was from, Never shall my tribal people, the Koreish, say this of me, that I am possessed. I shall go to the top of the mountain and cast myself off and find peace. Muhammad was going to commit suicide. He was going to kill himself, jump off a cliff, because he was afraid that he was demon-possessed. So how did he come to understand that he wasn't? Well, a bizarre story, and I can't tell it to you on radio because we have to keep this PG here, folks. But uh, it was his wife, Khadija, who came into the scene, and um, she was the one who persuaded. The prophet himself couldn't discern that it was an angel. He thought it was a demon. She encouraged him uh, through her ways that, no, it's not a demon. Rejoice, it's the angel Gabriel. And so, um, but what's interesting is that they say that angel Gabriel's telling him that Jesus is not God, when very clearly the Bible tells us that it was the angel that revealed to, uh, to, to Mary and Joseph that Jesus was Emmanuel, God, with us. How is it that the same angel is communicating something different later on? And so we need to realize the Bible told us that there would be false prophets. We're to test them. And when we do, Islam comes up wanting. More information on our website at FortressOfFaith.com. Just uh, search for the five popular myths of Islam. You'll see an article that we've written on that subject. But it's time for us to part now, but we encourage you to join us again at the corner of truth and courage. God bless you.